We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 106. I hope everyone out there had a nice Thanksgiving. Scott, what did you do? <laughs> that was a lot cleaner than your last one that we were about to edit out. The, uh, uh, why are you telling people about that? <laughs> the, my, my Thanksgiving was good. I had my mother in town, which was, which was awesome. I uh, had her in here for about a week. Went over to the uh, brother-in-law's place with the in-laws, and we watched football and ate a whole bunch of food. And I don't know about you, but Monday after Thanksgiving is Horrible. actually one of the one of the more depressing days yes. of uh, of the year, in my opinion. I agree because I feel I feel horrible. I feel fat and disgusting. Like I'm I'm just you know when you sit after you eat. I literally ate probably ate out and then ate for like lunch and dinner almost every day because my mom was in town. I felt like I had to go out with her. And if it was something at home, it was something like ridiculous. So you know it's like uncomfortable to sit. It's, I don't know. I just, I, I feel disgusting. It's, it's kind underrated. of gloomy. Yeah. It's underrated how crappy of a Monday that is. Everyone always talks about the Monday after Memorial Day, Labor Day, 4th of July. But 
you're absolutely right. I felt like crap today. There was so much traffic on my way to work today. I feel like everyone was off last week, so everyone was going to work this week. Um, the only saving grace is there's a, a bunch more long weekends in the next month. Yeah, I don't know. It's I I, agree. I think people get excited about the Cyber Monday crap, but I, I could care less about any of that. You didn't like buy any anything? of it. No, I didn't buy one thing. And I get my email box is just like inundated by crap. Yeah. With people. one of which was from us. Yeah, one of which was from us. I felt like I had <laughs> You're to join. You're part him. of the problem. <laughs> if you can't beat the problem, be the problem. Um, that's I'd write that down. The uh, but yeah, it's a, it was kind of gray out, just a depressing all around day. So I'm ready for tomorrow. Yeah, as if tomorrow is going to be so much better. Hey, it will be better. The Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 106, will be out. All right, let's read a podcast review. We haven't done this in a couple weeks, and I thought this one was good. Uh, really going after you. This one is from A Joel 97 He says, love the podcast. I just fast forward through the Tanaka trash talk in order to not get upset. And I think you need to really cool it as we enter 2017 on all that ace Tanaka trash talk. Does that make you feel better to project onto me all of your all of your hatred and anger and animosity towards anybody who who doesn't live up to your expectations? Does it, I, does it make you feel better? I think that people are going to uh, really have to relish my trash talk of Tanaka this year because he might opt out of his contract. 2017 might be his last year with the Yankees, and then we will no longer have to endure the enigma that is Masahiro Tanaka. So don't you think that he's going to have probably one of his best years because of that? I mean, he's, he's ready for another payday. It's actually, I mean, he actually in the did. driver's seat. doesn't matter. If, yeah. he, if he has a bad year, he's still guaranteed money for the next three seasons. And if he has a great year, he'll opt out. Right. That's what I'm saying. So, I mean, he still does have incentive to, to go out and pitch even better than he did this year. And he was, he was uh, you know, in the Cy Young runnings up until the, uh, the very end, right, right at 200 innings. I mean, hell of, hell of a year. 199.2. I mind you. It's 200 innings. I don't even know how you could do much better than what he did. It's pretty, I, pretty amazing. I, I'm a little worried that he ended the season injured. <laughs> Why? Because they didn't pitch him at, because they didn't let him get to 200 innings. No, just, you know, he was mad about that. I'm I guarantee there was a conversation. I just am scared for his health. That's all. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's going to be elbow surgery. Oh no. Well, elbow surgery around the corner. Any pitch. Yeah. I'm still afraid of that, aren't you? No, I'm not. Like, I wasn't afraid of it last year. I was very, very clear that I wasn't afraid of it. Everything's hunky-dory in Yankees land. Thank you for the podcast review. Definitely go to iTunes or wherever you're listening to the podcast and give it a rating and review. We want to keep that going, and I definitely enjoy reading them, even the ones that are not funny or just nice about the podcast. I always enjoy reading them, so I definitely appreciate it. Um, Scott. I got terrified. I believe I saw this Wednesday night before Thanksgiving that there were reports there might be an MLB lockout, that 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 threat was looming over us. And that was just horrifying news to hear right before we enter holiday. Yeah, any news of a lockout or a strike or any of that crap is is never positive. It's a it's something that just it's. It's one of those things that one will we won't have anything to talk about because if they if they lock out then we're we're in trouble man because we're gonna be talking hot stove for a while. You think the offseason is slow? Just wait. If for we have to stretch, if we have on. to, yeah, if we have to stretch through a uh, a lockout or any kind of a strike, 
this this may become um, uh, you know an, a multi-sport podcast. But I have yeah, about five hours of Chanaka trash talk material that's unaired that I can put out if you'd like. Oh, that'll that'll boost the ratings for sure, definitely. So yeah, I hope hopefully I don't think it's gonna happen. Look, I mean I think people are are just you know they have to speculate it about it because there's no deal yet. You know why not say something about that? It, people will get scared. People will run in fear. But uh, it doesn't seem like this is the type of year where there's that many things that are holdout worthy. I agree, but all the reports were that, no, there's no lockout. It's not even going to come to that. And then all of a sudden, Ken Rosenthal puts out something on Wednesday saying that he's hearing uh, rumblings that the owners are threatening a lockout if they can't reach a deal on December 1st. And December 1st is Thursday. So I agree with you. I don't think there's going to be a lockout, but we're right up against that deadline. Yeah, I think they'll be okay. I think we'll be fine. If if it if it does happen, then we'll we'll deal with it. But I'm not I'm not expecting it to happen. Be the first lockout since '94. 90, oh, yeah, '94. Yeah, Which would 94? be horrible for yeah. baseball. I mean, they have. I feel like baseball has some momentum. That was an awesome World Series. A great playoffs. Uh, ratings were up. The highest ratings of the World Series since 2009. I feel like we have some momentum with Major League Baseball. A lockout would absolutely kill any any momentum they have. But it also might make sense that the apocalypse did happen. The Chicago Cubs won the World Series, and then no more baseball is just no more baseball. <laughs> That's it. The baseball is now done. We're not going to play. Everybody's going to just be at a you know, a little bit of a, a pissing contest, and we're not going to play. Well, so I mean, it getting, does kind of make sense. You're feeding into those lunatics who believe that we're just living out a computer simulation, and and yeah, everything is pre-planned. Show. Yeah, no doubt. There's a bu- there's a bubble around us. Someone's holding the strings. And it's some that that guy wanted the Cubs to finally win. Poor Indians. Maybe it's George. The Indians are George. never going to win. No, the um, Indians are never going to win. They're never going to get back there. They're, that that's it. We'll talk about them in a hundred years. Three biggest issues that the CBA uh, is being held up over is the draft pick compensation, which we've talked about, international free agent signing pools, and also the luxury tax threshold, which we've talked about. Um, and another uh, item I saw today is that rosters could expand to 26 players, which would be interesting. That would add a whole wrinkle to to the game as we know it. I mean, just think about how many pitching changes there are now. If you add on another guy, which I would assume would be another bullpen arm, especially with the way Joe, a team like the Yankees and Joe Girardi manages, we're just talking about more pitching changes. You see, I actually think that if they were to add this this 26th or this this extra man that, uh, it wouldn't be a bullpen guy. I'm thinking we would start getting into six-man rotations. I could absolutely see that happening. Less innings for pitchers. Uh, the making their you know, trying to trying to secure that those big investments for the starting pitchers, and and giving them an extra day rest, and then making that the norm. I could see that happening. But I don't understand. I mean, I've, I've, the biggest issue with a six-man rotation isn't the number of guys on a roster. It's the fact that they don't want to mess up guys who are, no, are who are used to five days. Yeah, but if it becomes the norm, then that's that's they, they're just going to have to get used to it. And it, I mean, the whole reason they're not messing it up is because that's been the norm. So if you change it and then the six man becomes the normal thing to do, then guys' bodies, you know, react differently and they start getting used to the six man rotation. Yeah, you know, pitching I, every sixth day. So. There's going to be certainly some growing pains with that we know one guy who will like it Tanaka loves pitching on six days rest but there's plenty of other guys who don't do well on six days six days rest because they're not used to it 
I, I don't I don't buy the fact that if they were to you know train their body and and spend six months or whatever the off season to to get their body ready for a six uh you know a six day rotation then they couldn't adapt just fine. It's all you about. Also, you know, I think a lot of it's mental too. In all honesty, with these guys going out there on a six day, like oh my 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 regimen's thrown off and I'm thrown on the sixth day. I don't know what to do. I forget how to throw a ball. I think what would also be affected is in the playoffs, I still think guys would go on three days rest because you'd want to use your best pitchers. And if you're used to a six day, six days off and you go down to three, that's a huge jump, even bigger than five days to three. Yeah, I guess. I, I think at the end of the season, at that point, you're, you're dealing with guys who are there's – a, there's a ton more, uh, you know, adrenaline with these playoff games and it's, it's you know, last man up. So it's, uh, it's a different mentality. I'm not buying. I just don't buy that. That it's a it's a huge physical toll and a huge physical adjustment for professional athletes. You know what I mean? Like make the adjustment. Just if that that's what's going to happen, make the adjustment. But I, the reason I'm saying that I could see the the sixth spot opening up uh, and having a rotation of six guys is because of the amount of money that's going into these guys and the amount of injuries that you're seeing. And it would be absolutely to uh, you know to secure those investments and make sure and try to at least stretch them out. So mo money, mo problems. The CBA is also being held up because of the luxury tax number, which is also uh, holding up free agency. It's at $189 million. It could go anywhere as high as $200 million I've seen. So let's play the game if it does go up to $200 million. I absolutely think that could affect what the Yankees do because their 2017 projected payroll is $166.7 million, and that's with arbitration estimates. That assumes they sign absolutely nobody. Yes, they still have to pay A-Rod. They still have to pay $5.5 million in McCann. But they could actually be under the tax threshold if they don't sign anybody else. If it goes up to $200 million and they add on Chapman, who's going to cost you anywhere from $18 to $20 million a year, and a DH, who's going to cost you about $15 million a year, then you're right at that $200 million number. So I think Cashman is definitely waiting to see what happens with that tax number before he makes any free agent signings. I think, and the thing about it is, I think that he and everybody else is also waiting for that number because there's, there's you know multiple implications. I, I would assume with uh, like the Red Sox, uh, the the Dodgers, guys who are, are are also you know flirting with these numbers, they're also gonna be looking at you know how it expands and things. So I think that you know it's not just Cashman and and yeah you know that that bar is gonna be set by Chapman. There's a the, the, there's a lot of I think people are talking still whether that's Cashman's motivation right now is to stay under the the luxury tax and that's his sole you know his sole motivation at this point or he is going to spend go over it and then say say la vie and then go after who he's got to go after later. But these guys are, in my opinion, just you know they're they're band aids or not even band aids, but they're just complimentary people leading up to the big free agent class and leading up to our guys being fully fully developed, the minor league guys. So. I don't know. It's 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 such a weird year because it's it's kind of a flex year. It's an in-between year and and you almost you're almost in no man's land with what we got to do with this roster. Yeah, they've they've shed a lot of guys. They've shed a lot of payroll. So I I mean they they're trending one way and I just feel like some free agents would would bring them back. And I we saw that happen in 2013 when they signed Ellsbury and McCann and Beltron and it really didn't work out that well. So I, I, I just think Cashman needs to stick to his plan. Um, Chapman, I guess you could argue, is, is not only a short-term Band-Aid, but he's a long-term play as well, especially since right. you're going to be signing him for five years. But who knows? Um, 
I absolutely think that uh, who they sign as DH will be directly affected by what that number ends up being. If it goes up to near $200 million, then maybe Edwin Encarnacion becomes a Yankee. If not, they might just go for the cheap option, and it might not even be any of the big-name, quote-unquote, big-name free agents. Who knows? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I still think Beltran's the leader in the clubhouse at this point just because he's a he's a one-year deal guy, and he's he really is a, a stopgap, and he's a guy we know – you know what he could do, and and that would be a he's a known quantity. I mean, we talked about this last last week about how Beltron is a guy that could really come in, and you know he's he's there for one year, and then you you go back to where you were and and reassess. And I think that's ultimately what they want. They want to they want to be in a position where they can reassess when you know the big free agent class comes up, and when they also see more of their minor league guys and know who they are with a little bit more of a sample size. Because I think that's that's such a that's such a big deal. It's almost a waiting game to see how these guys progress, you know, in the in the higher levels of the minor leagues and then also in uh, in the Bronx. It's a it's a big deal to find out because then you can address the the needs for maybe guys that didn't work out. So there's there's just so many things up in the air. Absolutely. If these guys progress like we all hope they will then 2018-19 is going to be a huge year for the Yankees and they can sign on free agents and it's going to just add to the to their already developed roster but if they fizzle out which is a very real possibility then they might have to turn to free agency to build a team from scratch which would be really sucky Um, I don't necessarily say from scratch but yeah they'd have to fill more holes than we would think that we well, think right now it would be like a 2009 all over again which is a very very short-term fix free agency is always a short-term fix it doesn't matter how long you sign a guy for sign a guy for no i understand that but i'm saying we're, we're looking at i mean if, if that's the case and, and we're talking about like all these guys bombing which i don't see the case you know we're, we still have there will still be a a, a nucleus i believe of young talent even if all these guys I and mean, there's a lot of guys with a lot of expectations <clears throat> You know, sure. you've got to figure that that Gary Sanchez is going to come in and maybe he's not going to, you know, hit uh, 100 home runs in a year. Maybe that's not going to happen. But but he he's very possibly and very likely to be, you know, a very very solid core player for a long time. I don't know, he uh, was so doing they're, they're those guys. He was doing squats down in the Dominican over Thanksgiving break. So that smells like 100 home runs to me. Yeah, I, he, you're right. He was I liked I like what he was doing. Those those uh they were like catcher's planks. They were sitting in that catcher's position and then explosion. I love it. I love seeing those guys work out in the offseason. All right. Let's talk about those free agent hitters that we were just kind of projecting. Uh, MLB Trade Rumors does a projection on what they think each free agent will get. And they actually are usually pretty accurate within a, within a small margin. So here's what they predicted for these players. Cespedes, five years, $125 million. He's obviously outfield and he can DH. Encarnacion, four years, $92 million. Trumbo, four years, $60 million. Napoli, two years, $28 million. Beltran, one year, $14 million. Based on those projections, if those were their contracts they got, rank those guys who you w- most want the Yankees to sign. Are we assuming anything? Uh, are we assuming anything with the, that we're staying under the 200? Uh, I because mean, that's if it is. Let's assume that it is two hundred. How about that? Okay, but I mean, but that I, works out. I think that's a big deal. A lot of those guys. Yeah, I, so I think Cespedes is out, out. He's completely out. I don't even think that's a real possibility. I think Napoli is is also out. I don't think he's a real possibility. I think that he was kind of lightning in a bottle, and I don't. I don't think anybody trusts trusts that that guy or, or that deal. It's just too much money for him. Um, so then you're looking at 
uh, Encarnacion, Trumbo, and Beltron. My my number one would be would be Beltron because I, I still want that flexibility. I still like the fact that we can go in for one year, uh, you know, get production hopefully, and have a, a true DH that can help these guys along the way. Um, and then my number two would be Encarnacion because if you're going to go for it and you have and you're able to stay within that 200, still get a guy that's going to be uh, a power guy for a long time, uh, four years. I think he's still got four good years in him. I think that's that's realistic. Uh, then then Encarnacion, I think, could re- really bolster that lineup. And also, the thing that I don't think many people talk about with Encarnacion is you're not only signing a guy that's going to produce power and give you a lot of um, a lot of obviously. Uh, good numbers, but he's really going to help the guys around him, which are going to be the young guys. So I think he actually does help the development of some of the younger guys because of the protection. Uh, and then my my third would be Trumbo, just because it, it, with the numbers that I'm looking at from this, it, he's almost a bargain in in a way for four years, sixty million. And I mean, Trumbo one good is. Year. It's, I mean, he had. It's a classic free agent story. No, has I totally a good year agree. In his walk year, and it's like, but, where but, did this guy come the, from? What I'm looking at is Trumbo. He he started hot though in early on as well. He had a a good rookie year if I remember correctly. But Trumbo kind of is Aaron Judge, is he not? He's kind of what we hope Judge would be. I mean, he's uh, he's a similar yeah. stature, similar we type hope, of player. I mean, we hope Judge can yeah. be a much better outfielder. Trumbo's right dog shit in the outfield. That's fine, but I mean, Beltron played right field for a while in in, uh, in Yankee Stadium. It's you, you can you can hide a guy in right field. So the the fact that that he kind of is what Judge projects to be almost is is intriguing when I look at it that way. Well, you don't want two of those guys on the team because Judge is going to strike out a lot. Judge is going to strike out close to 200 times if he gets a full season of play. You don't want two guys in your lineup that are striking out 200 times. It's too much. Well, that's kind of my, my my point is is that if he is if he does strike out that much and he's it would be I don't think Judge would stick if that's the case. Have you ever heard John Sterling pronounce Encarnacion's name? Mm-mm. He goes, Encarnacion. And as much as Encarnacion is a good player, I don't think I could hear John Sterling say that for the next four years. The, so, the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. <laughs> exactly. Uh, he's the best hitter on the market, though. Yeah. So if I, had to, if I had to rank him, I think uh, I'd want Encarnacion, then Beltron, then Napoli are my top three. I know you're off the Napoli train, but I actually think the fact that he can play first base would be very helpful. Um, as much as I love Greg Bird, I'm still a little worried. He has not played in over a year. I mean, it's just like such a long time to to expect him to pick up where he left off at the end of 2015 is extremely unfair for somebody his age and his experience level. The funny thing about Greg Bird is that we've we've heard his name and he's been up in the majors, you know, before last year and. I think when when we come into spring training and we're talking about next year, people are going to almost forget that he was not on the team and didn't play baseball in 2016. I think that's going to be one of those just oh he's been in the Yankees for two years, almost an assumption by you know a casual fan. And the fact that he didn't play and he is so young still, and he really only got what half a season uh, in the Bronx. I mean, this guy has as much, uh, if if not, I don't even think as much less time than than Gary Sanchez or you know, about the same time as an Aaron Judge. Like, this is a guy that does not have a lot of time in the major leagues. And he, I don't know, when you're talking about him, it feels like he's more of a veteran than he really is. He, he played like a veteran. He had yeah. big home runs. He does, he, he does have that, he has that, that, that type of feeling behind him. 
playoff he had, he had playoff atmosphere in the second half of the season for the Yankees when they made that playoff run in 2015. Uh, say he never he never hurt his shoulder, and he was on the because he was going to be on the team next year. Do you remember last year at this time we were talking yeah. about how we were going to start pissed, AAA? Yeah, we were going to be pissed off if he started in AAA. Um, I think if the Yankees had Greg Bird last year, 2016, once Mark Teixeira started sucking, Bird would have been in there every day. So I think that totally changes the dynamic of 2016 had he been healthy. Oh, no doubt. I mean, Teixeira was so bad that absolutely Bird would have been, even if he did start in AAA like they were talking about doing, which was utterly ridiculous, the, you know he would have been up very fast because you know we all know what happened with Teixeira. He was uh, he was horrible all year, <laughs> so yeah, Bird would have had a real opportunity to play almost a full year and be the starting first baseman. So Napoli, it was, it was really unfortunate. Napoli being a right-handed hitter, it does also give me um, a little bit more excitement. I know Beltran's a switch hitter, but um, I just think Napoli's versatility. I know it's two years. That's that's a two years seems like a lot for a guy like Napoli, but um, I could see the Yankees trending that way. Um, who knows? Uh, I, I agree with you that Cespedes is totally off limits. Even if the Yankees do trade uh, Gardner, I, I don't see them signing another big-name outfielder. I think they've got too many people in the in their system for outfield spots that they would clog another one up with an aging veteran. I just think that would be really stupid. Um, Unless so, they want to stick it to the Mets. Unless it's just personal, straight up, out of, <laughs> out of, uh, out of just playing the New York card and sign them because... That, I, mean, be, I mean, it would be fun. It would be fun to do that to them. I'm not going to lie. It would be kind of fun. It's for Cespedes, though, like, can't we pick a better guy? Like, it, it's, yeah. it, it would have been. They really, don't have a better guy. That is their guy. That's maybe, the best guy. Everyone was saying once Harvey is a free agent, but now he's gotten I don't want Harvey yet. Yeah. Oh, so. yeah, he's he thinks he's way too good, too. He's had he not blown that World Series and then gotten injured, maybe that would be more fun once Harvey becomes a free agent. Um, All right, so. I agree with you that the CBA is going to get agreed upon and we won't have a lockout. Um, but let's just say we could make up our own CBA and both the players and owners would have to agree upon it. What are some rule changes that you would like to see? So I think they, the, I mean, I, I honestly think it's relatively fair because if you look at what's happened with the luxury tax, I mean, you're seeing a lot more parity in baseball. It's, it's absolutely true. You're seeing a lot more of the small market teams competing. I don't know if it's directly affected to this, but I mean, it would make sense that it was because you're seeing you're seeing more of these these teams. Uh, it's not this. It's not the big three anymore, where where free agents are only looking. They're not only looking at the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Dodgers. I mean, that's they're looking at other teams now because because there's a little bit more flexibility. Um, and I think that the way that the the world is as far as marketing and the digital age, uh, guys can be marketable anywhere. I mean, look what. Kevin Durant did in Oklahoma City, for God's sakes. You know, like guys like that can go to small markets. Uh, base, yeah, baseball the NBA well. is a, t- a different animal than baseball, though. It is different, but I mean, There's you're super, seeing superstars are much more uh, easily marketable in NBA. I, I agree with that, but I mean, even in, in like Kansas City, like you you can get you can get exposure in Kansas City if you Definitely. want to. If if you're one of those guys who has a big personality, you can get the exposure. It's it's not as difficult as it used to be. Um, so I honestly wouldn't change all that much. I think they have to tweak a little bit more uh, about the uh, the compensation, uh, the draft pick compensation, because I do think it does affect guys um, who are, you know, who who don't accept the the one year deal, and 
and then have a, a draft pick attached to it because of it, it just it feels like guys are, are are coming up and coming through college a little bit more developed than they have been in the past and they're they're more they're they're coming through the system even faster and i think that's directly affecting people signing free agents so those those middle tier guys um are, are gonna start taking more of these offers but it's also not fair to them to to, to get more of a long-term contract so I think they're going to have to tweak that. It's, I don't it's really definitely have a going to be. It's definitely going to be. I think what's going to happen is uh, teams who lose the player will still get a draft pick compensation in between the first and second round, but it's not going to come from the team who signs them, uh, or it's not going to come from the team who signs them first round pick. It might come from say their second round pick. Um, yeah, I could see that. So it's kind of meeting in the middle because to lose a first round pick is pretty substantial especially like you just said with the way players are developing more quickly maybe 15 years ago a draft pick in baseball was not a big deal because they were so far down the road but now you draft a guy out of college and he could be in the majors pretty quickly I mean look what Chris Bryant did he was he went from uh did did he play college I I don't even remember um but he played played at the Las Vegas community college I think the, the one that Bryce Harper played in. Yeah, so he went from there to the majors in like two years. It's like, yeah. it's so fast. Um, yeah, and that never was the case. I mean that 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 was really not the. I mean, way back in the day, it happened, but there was a there was a period, but you know, between Mickey Mantle and Chris Bryan, like you know, these eras where guys were in the minors for a lot longer. Yeah, and um, as far as other changes goes, I think just as far as the game itself. They they need to make the game faster. Four and a half hour playoff games are one thing, but I, I can't be sitting through four and a half hour Yankees versus Detroit Tigers on a Wednesday night. It's just, right. it's too freaking much. I love baseball. There's very few people out there who watch more baseball than the two of us. But don't you agree? Like, it's just too long. Yo, just wait until you get my age. <laughs> it becomes worse. It just gets worse. Yes, yes. As you get older, the time is a is a it, you know you don't you wake up. I feel like shit sometimes because I'm trying to watch a West Coast game. I don't know why I do that. Anymore, Not even West Coast games. East Coast games go to eleven yeah, o'clock. It's true. It's it, they're, they're late and yeah. It, it's 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 going to become effective. Well, first of all, you look at the world. The world now is is instant satisfaction. I mean, everything now is at your fingertips. Nobody has patience. Nobody wants to watch a freaking two-minute video on any social media. If it's not like 30 seconds, maybe even that's too long, and it doesn't disappear. You know, people are losing. They have no uh, – There's you cannot get their attention. It just The attention spans are, 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 are way down, and that's why baseball was down. So – Yes, I agree with you. It's they need to, to enforce that twenty-second pitch clock, and there needs to be something that is signaled once the play, once the pitcher does not throw the ball by twenty seconds. Whether it's a giant red blinking light somewhere <laughs> in the stadium, or an air horn, or or something, <laughs> the the umpire shoots him in the freaking face if he doesn't throw the ball. Something needs to happen after twenty seconds because it's insane. David Price is taking twenty-eight and a half seconds to throw a pitch. It's it adds up. It, you're like, oh, it's only eight seconds, but when he throws throws a hundred pitches it really adds up yeah especially when he's in the postseason he's got like an eight era and every other pitch is getting hit around the park that's a long game not only are you taking forever to 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 throw the pitch but you're not getting out you know these 
it seems like I mean they tried to with the uh, with you know step in the box and like it, I don't know, do you remember A Rod would every yeah. time he would uh, he would step back out just because he was so used to doing it and then he would put one foot back in <laughs> it looked but ridiculous. Have you but, seen? I know they were enforcing that with fines, but did you hear one report of anybody no. getting fined for stepping out of the box? It was talked about for like a week, and after after the first week or two of the season, or maybe it was even spring training, it just it disappeared. It died. Nobody talked about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't even know if it was enforced because I wasn't paying attention to it anymore. And like I've heard, like, do, do you remember Mike Francesa? Either he might have uh, said it, or one of his callers. I forget which. Um, both can be equally ridiculous. So it, it's up in the air as to who it was. Said start the counts one and one. So basically, it's two strikes and three balls instead of three what is this? And four is this what is this slow pitch softball? I, I know mean, this is ridiculous. That's changing the entire rules and history of the game. That would be insane. So I don't want to get I don't want to get nutty like that. But I think simple enforcements of pitch clock uh, could really do a lot. Um, so shortening the overall game, maybe you also limit the number of pitching changes. I don't know, but I also think they need to shorten the, the uh, length of the season. I know you and I, I've proposed this to you before, but I think we probably have a lot of new listeners since the last time I did it. So I don't want to take out games because I know that's never going to happen because of revenue. But if they do mandatory doubleheaders one Saturday a month, that takes out a week of the season. And they can either start the season a week later in April or end it a week later in September. Either one is fine. But taking out a full week of calendar in the season is, is a pretty big deal. And especially if they add a 26th player, to the rosters, then a doubleheader will be no problem. I guess, but you're still, I mean, first of all, this is going to have to be negotiated in the CBA and it's going to be a big deal. When you start adding doubleheaders like that, you're saying once a month or one um, Saturday a month. That's not that, that's not that bad. It will six, be. It six will, throughout the it's season. not that bad. It's not that bad for us talking about it, but I guarantee it would be something that the players would never go for. They used to never play doubleheaders like twice a I mean, week in yeah. the forties. You're right. We didn't. They didn't have the internet back then either. Things have changed. People are different. There's, what does the internet you know, have to do with double headers? I'm just saying there's differences. Okay, there's differences. There's. They're not going to want to do it because they don't have to do it. Because they don't have to. Yes, but they're going to get paid. I am the boss in this scenario. Didn't, didn't you? Hear, when I pose this question, they have to accept whatever rules I make. No, because it's a collectively bargained agreement. That's why you're not the boss. This is a there's hypothetical. It's a hypothetical. I know. I know, but I gotta go. I'm playing the other side here. So you don't like that? I'm doing. You see what I'm doing here? Yeah, you don't like that? <laughs> uh, no, I think it's a good idea. I think it's it's actually interesting. It's very interesting. I think it would get crushed in a in a CBA uh, uh, bargaining situation. I, I really do. I think the I think the the um, the players' association would have a problem with it because they're gonna they're gonna say then then if you're only adding one player to the active roster what about the position players that are extending themselves and playing all day long oh a lot no more you gotta play right field for 18 there's innings a lot more instead of nine innings i'm just telling you what they're gonna Kidding say me? No. um uh, it's it's you know they're they're they don't they don't want to work harder than they have to to get paid guaranteed contracts <laughs> how about we get rid of guaranteed contracts that would be a start okay so move to the <laughs> move to an nfl system Yes, that would be terrific. Um, that, again, would never in a million years get passed. But. Here's my final proposal. Uh, so you add an extra player to the roster. So if, in this case, 26 or maybe 27, he's a bench player who can pinch hit or pitch, whatever you want, and he's allowed to do the steroids that Barry Bonds was doing in the early 2000s. 
So he's the uh, the kid that they're talking about from Japan that goes both ways. That That's guy. A beautiful segue. <laughs> Shohei Otani, and I think I pronounced yes. that correctly. Uh, uh, no, I don't. Yeah, that would be a fun. That would be a fun little gimmick, wouldn't it? If, if baseball is trying to attract more eyeballs. Yeah, I mean that's 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 almost what this this you know the fact. Uh, I mean, you're you're becoming the minor leagues at that point too. I mean, you're becoming let's, let's the league s- that Jose Canseco played in. It was like the independent league where he was entering home run yeah. derbies. Yeah, maybe Actually, we get a Seinfeld night in the Bronx. Though. That would be awesome. Bring back Jose Canseco. I think that's the real that's the real winner in all this. I, I thought I saw something about him getting hair plants or he was getting plugs. Something uh, he was waiting for his doctor to send him a picture. I don't know. Was he Joe Buck? Addicted to no, hair but plugs? He, oh, maybe they have a little, little group. Talk about the hair plugs. Hair, hair plugs anonymous? Hair plugs for men anonymous, yeah. Not, not so anonymous, though, because they tweet about it. Um, all right, let's talk about Shohei Otani. You teased it. Uh, if you guys don't know who this is, he is the top player in the Japanese league. And I mean top player. He won this year top pitcher and top DH. So as Scott said, not that there's anything wrong with that, but he goes both ways. Uh, throughout his career, he's 39 and 13 with a 2.66 ERA. And over his career, he has an 838 OPS. But this year he posted a 1,000 OPS. And, and that was his age 21 season. So he's essentially posting – he posted like Mike Trout numbers this year at the plate while being the best starting pitcher. It's unbelievable. He's Babe Ruth. Right? He's a little he's skinny, he's wiry the- Japanese kid. It's insane to look at. You're like, how is this guy able to do that when he look? I mean, he looks like a baby. You know, it's, it's impressive to see what he's doing on both sides of the plate. It really is. That I have – He's he's a big dude. He's a he's a lefty, if I remember correctly, too. I remember looking him up, and the kid is he's tall. He's not like you said. He's wiry, but he's he's, he's tall got a, and skinny. a tall frame. Yeah, but he's a, a left-handed. Does he throw righty or lefty? Throws I don't know. Righty. I think he, hit, he throws, I think he hits lefty. Throws righty. Yeah, that's it. So he's perfect for Yankee Stadium. This is amazing. No, he's he's a. I think he's a. I think he's a ideal for the Yankees. But this this is a guy that's going to get a ton of money, and there's no. I mean. A National League team to sign this guy would be ideal, right? Or or he just plays – he pitches in DHs. Is that even a thing? Like what would you call that position then? Absolutely. Not the designated hitter. Uh, you call that the MVP You forfeit. You forfeit the designated hitter and your pitcher's hitting. I just looked at his page. He's, he made <laughs> – I got confused for a second. He said his salary this year was 100 million yen. And then I recall that Seinfeld episode when the Kramer has the Japanese businessmen over and they spend 50,000 yen in like a night because it's, it's really not that much money. Right. It's $894,000. Still a lot of money. For the best, for the best player in the, on the, uh, in, in the country. Look, I mean, this guy's going to get a ton of money. He's going to get probably the most money that, that ever has been uh, sent out for a Japanese player. There's a lot of hype. The fact that he can hit, the fact that he can pitch. I just don't know how much that actually helps uh, a major league baseball team. I, well, I don't think it the does. The problem is they're, they're going to have to choose gonna, which way they're going to go. Yeah. A team will not use him for both offense and defense or offense and pitching because, like you said at the beginning of the show, they want to protect their investment. They don't want to get it injured. So, you don't think Joe Madden's using him both ways? I, honestly, no. I don't think so. 
maybe pinch hitting. I think he'll be a pitcher because I think that is uh, more valuable to to U.S. teams because hitting is more you can buy hitting easier. So I think he'll be signed as a pitcher, and maybe he uh, might pinch hit every now and again. But a National League team should definitely sign him. At least you get his hitting once a week. He's going to be a Los Angeles Dodger. Let's all be honest. He's going to be on the Dodgers. That's that. I, this guy is screaming L.A. Dodgers. He's going to probably be in that 2018-19 free agent class. So add him on top of all the other big names. Yeah, that's a lot. It's a lot of names in this world. I think it would just, he would become... Uh, he could become a face of baseball if or face of professional sports, really. One of the best, most famous athletes in the country if he could actually be a full-time DH and a pitcher. I mean, we have never seen that in modern era. So No, I don't think we will ever see it because I don't think it's going to happen. Um, other big, big money being shelled out is for Chapman. Uh, reports that he wants five years and a hundred million dollars, but the Yankees are not willing to go as high as a hundred million dollars. But I have seen them say, uh, or reports that the Yankees will go five years and 90. So, I mean, I don't really understand if you're willing to go five and 90, why you wouldn't just go five and a hundred because it's a couple extra million bucks a year. It's already insane money for a closer. Um, Chapman has said he would like to be a Yankee again. Everything is leaning towards the Yankees and Chapman reuniting. So do you think it's going to be a letdown if he does sign somewhere else? Yeah, I do. I think, I think it will be a letdown because I think now after comments that he's made, comments that Cashman has made, I mean, they, they both sound like they want a deal to happen. The Yankees, you know, depending on what the hat, what happens with the luxury tax and, and, you know, assuming it does go to 200, he he's a he's the guy that they can fit inside this whether it's five years at a hundred five years at ninety whatever, it's going to be a record breaking contract. It, there's no doubt about it. He's going to command that from somebody, and his best bet is to get it from the New York Yankees. They're probably going to, you know, at this point, they're they're either going to drive up the cost too much for other teams and then sign him at something under one hundred but close to it, or someone's going to get insane and sign him for a hundred. Uh, or, or maybe a hundred plus and the Yankees will, will lose out on that. But I, I, I'd still, it's a perfect marriage. It really is. It's a, it's a known quantity in New York. He's been here. He knows what it is. The Yankees know what they, what they're getting as a pitcher and a marketer. Uh, so I think it's a, it's a perfect match. Do you agree though, that it, it seems weird that they would be willing to go to 90, but not a hundred. Yeah, but I mean, do you really think that's true? I, I don't know. I think a lot of this is, is people talking about the fact that they don't want. I think the hundred number is is just a, a really good headline for a relief pitcher because it's setting a yeah, high precedent. And you're getting into triple, right? It's you're, almost you're setting double, another precedent in triple triple digits. It's almost double what Papelbon got, which was the biggest ever. And let me ask you a question: Do you not think that Chapman? And I'm being dead serious. Do you not think Chapman wants to get a hundred? million dollars because he throws 100 miles an hour that's i didn't think about that that's great (laughs) right one million for every mile an hour he throws yes i'm telling you this this is what he's trying to do if you get 99 or 98 that's that's not that's not good for him he wants 100 he wants 103 someone's gonna sign him for 103 if his agent hasn't already said that to him he needs to or you maybe you need to be his agent because that's genius well you're welcome you're welcome or all this I know you speak English. I know you can hear me. I know you understand me. You're welcome. I'm a little surprised, though, that the Yankees have not been linked to Melanson. They've been linked to Jansen as well as Chapman. Even Boone Logan, I saw, 
being linked to the Yankees, which would just be fantastic if we could bring Booney Logan back. Uh, but I have not seen them linked to Melanson at all. I haven't heard any really many people being linked to Melanson. I mean, people are doing their homework on these guys. Look, everything's going to – I think as soon as the CBA goes down and we know – all the dominoes are going to start falling. We, we, we got to know where where they're going to stand, though, after these signings are made. Because, I mean, you'd be, you'd be playing Russian roulette at this point if you're signing guys before that gets done. It's, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. A final bit of Yankees news before we get into mailbags is that they released Nathan Avaldi today, which we knew was coming because of the injury. He's probably not going to pitch next year. I still think they will try and work out a deal with him so they can keep him in the system. So when he does come back, they can sign him. But uh, as of today, Nathan Avaldi is no longer a New York Yankee. So my question to you is, are you sad? I'm kind of over it, actually. Oh, I'm kinda, I'm kinda, yeah. You've I'm kinda, moved on. Yeah, I, don't, I honestly, I really don't even remember his name anymore. I'm, Who's your new I'm binky? Moving. I don't know yet. I'm, not, I'm, I'm playing the market right now. I'm just kind of a free agent. Playing, playing both sides, you know, to go see what happens. I feel like uh, Chad Green might catch your heart next year. He's due know. for a bunch of five and a third inning performances. See, <laughs> you would love that, wouldn't you? That would be another another five and a third guy that that's got great stuff. We I mean, that's what I lo- that, apparently that's my type. <laughs> that's what I like. That's, 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 that's the, that's, those are the guys I'm drawn to. Those are the fat so, chicks on Tinder. They're the, they're yeah. the five I, and a third I, inning I, guys. Five and a third. I swipe right. Yeah, yeah. Not, absolutely. And thank you for teaching me how to swipe right. I didn't even know how to do that until we went to spring training and I, I saw what it was, what it was like to use that app. You're going to get me in trouble. It's, it wasn't me using it. It wasn't you using it. It was your buddy. Right. Uh, that doesn't listen to the show. Nobody listens <laughs> to the show. He's not. He's a Mets fan, unfortunately. There you go. Um, all right. Let's talk about some of these mailbags. This first one comes from Jeff Long. He says, with Bryce Harper and Manny Machado on track for free agency after 2018, would you trade for Mike Trout, sign Manny Machado, or sign Bryce Harper? So when you're looking at these guys, they are all three – phenomenal players top tier guys Mike Trout best best guy or best player in the league uh, but when you're talking about Machado and Bryce Harper I mean they're right right next to him right they're they're just just there if you had to rank these three players who will have as players as players for the next decade how would you rank them I would say Trout Machado Harper I agree and I think a lot of people would put Harper over Machado but other than that one crazy MVP season from Harper Machado's been top five MVP candidate kind of guy for his whole career. I think he's one of the more underrated players in the game. And I, absolutely maybe as Yankee is. fans, we know because we play the Orioles 20 times a year. But I'd rather have Machado than Harper. Not only because um, he's been more consistent, but I think third base is a more premium position than right field. Uh, Machado was not only playing, he came up as a shortstop, play, is playing third base, and we'll go over to shortstop quite a bit. I mean, and with the with the amount of shifting that's happened that happens in the major leagues today, that's that's a that's a really important thing to to have to to know that your guy can slot over to slide over to another position and play uh, at a at a you know Gold Glove caliber position because he's a stud. I mean, they're they're comparing him in Baltimore to Brooks Robinson, who was probably the best third baseman. Uh, him and Mike Schmidt are probably the best defensive third baseman ever. 
And Machado is starting to enter that conversation because he's a wizard in the field. I mean, the kid is a stud. And you look at his offensive numbers, he's a phenomenal player. He really is. Bryce Harper gets a lot more fanfare because I think he's more of a polarizing figure. He's a yeah. guy that, I mean, he's in the same market even. And I think that's another reason why Machado gets overshadowed. He's got he's the, the hair. He's got to make baseball market. fun again. He's on yeah. the cover of ESPN, the body magazine, and he's got all that crap going on. Machado is every bit the player Harper is, if not more. I think he's a better defender and, uh, you know, long-term I would, he's, he's a safer player for sure. Yes. So um, we talked about Mike Trout a bunch last week. If we thought um, the trade was even possible with the Yankees and, and, and all that kind of stuff, I would still, if I could pick trade for Mike Trout, because I think he's, like I said, a thousand times best player in baseball by a lot, but if given the choice between signing Machado and signing Harper, I would rather sign Machado also for the fact that their Yankees are going to have a need for third base and they might not have a need for outfield because of all the prospects they have. So what do we have next from Luke? It's from uh, Luke. He's from England. Luke says of the Yankees who were on the team last year, who is most likely to have a bounce back season Ellsbury held Headley or Pinata. You couldn't pronounce that town in England, could you? No, I didn't. I, I definitely stayed away from it. Leicester? Leicester? Anyway. Ellsbury, Headley, and Pineda. That is a collection of mediocrity. I just got into it with somebody on Twitter right before the, the we started recording the podcast, and he was arguing that Headley is a serviceable player making uh, middle-of-the-road money. And it's like, yeah, he might be serviceable, but why do we have to agree that mediocrity is okay. So, I, I just hate Headley, as you all know. Um, out of these three players, I would say Pineda because of his Jekyll and Hyde nature. He could go out there and pitch well. Uh, I, I think we know what Headley and Ellsbury are. They're very, very average players at this point in their careers. So I'll go a little different. Uh, the The fact that, that Pineda is Jekyll and Hyde and that we have not seen him have any type of consistency ever in his career. This guy is is up and down more. He's so screwed between the ears. It's not even funny. So I got I got zero faith of Pineda coming back and, and doing anything substantial for the Yankees besides going, you know, you know, ten and ten, driving us mad while doing it. Uh, Headley is what we he is. I mean, he's he's going to hit two fifty to two sixty. He's going to hit maybe fifteen home runs. He's going to play. He's going to he's going to dive at a bunch of balls away from him on the line, make some phenomenal plays he's gonna have some throwing errors where his hand doesn't bend or his arm doesn't bend and the ball gets sailed into the into the stands I think Ellsbury has the best chance of having a break back a bounce back year because I think that Ellsbury could be rejuvenated possibly by some of these younger guys maybe uh, a little bit what? of a little the, bit of a little bit of a, a bump in the in the in the in the butt for him and, and him, he's gonna turn into a uh Look, the power numbers are going to come, but I could see his average climbing back up. What, we're, so we're still holding out hope for that one year he, he had an MVP season? No, I just said his number. the power numbers are never going to be there. That's not something that's realistic. When he had that big year, it was, you know, the, the stolen bases and the power were there. And I think that was one of his, you know, those were the biggest things like, oh, this guy can, can hit the ball out of the park and steal the base. He's basically Jackie Bradley Jr. He's Aaron Hicks, same guy, right? That's what we thought we were getting. It's not him. Uh, so... I think that Ellsbury, if he can dial it back down and just you know start shooting gaps and using those legs, then maybe he can make some semblance of a 290 hitter, 280, 290 hitter, uh, get on base a lot, and and not hit for power. But 
I would consider that a bounce back here. I'm looking at Pineda's numbers, and it's insane how Jekyll and Hyde is. He goes up and down every month. 6.3 ERA in April, 7 in May, 2.75 in June, 4.8 in July, 5.08 in August, back down to 3.2 in September. It, there's just no consistency there. So this is probably also going to be his last year in pinstripes. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, and and maybe they can benefit from from that little boost he's going to be going after for, for free agency. Um, or arbitration. I'm not even sure if he's a free agent after next year. You're just always waiting for the other shoe to drop with this kid. I mean, he's 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 he is who we thought he is. I mean, the guy has uh, all the potential in the in the world, all the potential in the world, but he just can't put it together. And uh, you know, I think he's at a, at an age at this point where he should have started to put it together. You know, he, he you should see you should see him trending up, and he's just not doing it. Out of, I mean, he's going to be counted on even more than in the last couple of years. I know. Because um, Evaldi's not in the rotation, and Nova, laugh all you want, but Nova's not there. They've got a bunch of question marks towards the back end of the rotation. The only guy you can really go into next year and say, this is our, we're comfortable ace. with this guy as yeah. our number one pitcher. You notice I didn't use the word ace, is Tanaka. But even him, you can't pencil in 31 starts, 32 starts. He might only start 28 games, 27 games. So, it's just it's just so tough with this rotation. They the the good news is though they have a bunch of guys depth wise where they seem to piece it together. Uh, they pieced it together last year anyway. I, I really do believe that if if Caprillianus stays healthy and he shows well in the spring, he Ooh. is going to be on a fast track to the That'd box. That'd be a I think really this big is a, jump. That'd be a huge yeah, jump. But you can do it. Pitchers can do it a lot faster than than position players, and I, I think they're going to fast track it. I'm not saying they're going to um, you know. Put them, I mean, you see pitchers going from Double A to the to to the majors. It happens a lot, actually. the The fact that that he, if he proves that he's healthy and he proves that he can pitch, uh, and and stay healthy, I I really do. And he has a good spring. I think that's key. I think he has to have a good spring. And if he does, I think they're gonna they're gonna fast track him because I, I think they want him up there as fast. And I told you this is what I was saying before. I think because he is the way he throws, I think that he is an injury risk. And, I, and they want to get as much as they can out of him. So that's I, re, I really do believe it. And he seems to be, when he's healthy, pitching and progressing uh, you know, very fast. Yeah. Um, I, I just think it would be such a – you know the Yankees, they move slow. I know you think with the injury risk they want to move fast. But until they move fast, I, I'm not going to believe they actually will. So, uh, Final one is from L. Kraken on Twitter, at TK underscore Cade. He says, who do you think will be the Yankees' future third baseman once Headley is gone? So, I mean, the, I think the, the answer would be that it would be somebody in the minor leagues. I think that's what a lot of people are going to say. Or it's a guy like Machado where they sign, you know, when he becomes a free agent. I think that uh, Starlin Castro has a very good opportunity to move over to third base. I've been saying this. I think you and I have kind of agreed with the – you know, the, the, the Starling Castro frame, if he is on this team, he could slot into third base and move over there. He's played short before. He has experience on the left side. I think he's a guy that uh, if Chase Headley were to struggle and, you know, some of these other guys were to come up and, and show sooner, uh, show better sooner than later, you could see something like Didi moving to second and a shortstop coming up. Gleber Torres, if he starts lighting it up. I mean, I think he's the shortstop of the future, personally. So Torres. I, think, uh, I think Torres is the shortstop of the future, yeah. And uh, I could see Castro moving over to third if he's on the Yankees. 
Well, Torres, uh, Arizona Fall League MVP, he had a hot start and just continued it. Uh, youngest player in the league this year, and he won the MVP, which is pretty amazing. Um, he's not even 20 yet. He turns 20 in a couple weeks, and he will start the year in Double A. So I feel like he's quickly risen in Major League Baseball as one of the best prospects in the game. Yeah, I think he's going to be a top five when when all the when all the projections come out and they rank everybody. I think. Torres is going to be a top five all of baseball. I mean, he's he's shown that well. I mean, this is a guy that's definitely was on everybody's radar. Uh, but when you see what he's done in the Arizona Fall League, how he's the MVP, and they, uh, I read an article about how they compare the Fall League to you know similar, almost on part of a, a double A. So the fact that he's lighting up that league already, and you know he had experience in Tampa, and he was with um, Myrtle Beach or wherever it was before another single A. This is a kid that that is advancing very fast, and by all accounts, uh, is a shortstop. I mean, that's I think they're going to keep him at shortstop. That's what it looks like. So he's not the greatest defender. That's why I don't think they're going to move him around too much. I think they they're going to keep him in that one spot. But um, Cashman yeah, that's was, a guy. Sorry, Cashman was talking about Torres. He was asked about uh, the Arizona Fall League, and he said obviously Torres is at the top of everyone's minds right now. He did talk about the adjustments he expects him to have to make in Double A. Um, it's it's the league that they didn't want to move Mateo to. They didn't think he was ready for last year, even though Mateo right. may have thought he was ready for. So I think it's a really big jump for a player as young and inexperienced as Torres. Yeah, no, it's a jump. I think that's that that's you know the fact that they didn't move Mateo up after he was in single A for you know a good amount of time that speaks volumes to what they think about Torres and how he can handle it. And the fact that he went out to Arizona, lit it up. You know, I, it gives Brian Cashman and the rest of the Yankees brass a lot of confidence in this kid that that he is, uh, you know, he's ready for that. And, you know, if you if you go back and if you listen to the the interviews that we we did with uh, uh, the uh, the play-by-play guys of, of Myrtle Beach, we did that when the trade happened. One of the big things they talked about is his maturity and the way that he he's really taken to the game, uh, you know, a very uh, studious approach. And the, the kid is extremely mature beyond his years. And that goes a long way, I think, when you're when you're moving through the system, and especially in the New York Yankees, they they look for those types of things. And that was what Mateo, I think, was held back for was yeah. the fact that you know he was not a mature a mature kid and couldn't handle the fact that he wasn't getting brought up and made us think about it. So let's hope he doesn't get pissed. There. The fact that Torres is is he's going to get pissed. Up. There's no doubt. He's got That's to that, right. Obviously, the complete wrong reaction to have to that. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're also looking at him in center field. They've they've taken some uh, some looks him at him there, and I could see. You look at him; he's one of the more athletic guys and the probably the big, the best athlete in our system. You know, he's a guy that, that theoretically should be able to transition well if he can uh, if he can handle the glove. But that would be a good position move for him, honestly. And Double A is um, it's not unprecedented to move quickly from Double A up to the majors. Look at what Greg Bird did; he came straight from Double A, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that can happen absolutely, and you know, Double A is is uh, you're in Trenton, you're very close to Scranton. It's a it's a very quick jump, and uh, you know, getting him up there quickly for a couple of weeks and then bringing him up. I, look, it's a it's a very big possibility. Obviously, I don't think 2017 is is realistic for Torres, but I do think 2018 is. Yeah, especially assuming if he continues this development. All right, thank you guys for the mailbags. If you want to submit mailbags, it's bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast, or you can tweet us at Yankees Podcast. My handle is at Andrew underscore Rotondi, and you can find Scott at Scott Reinen. Scott, before we get out of here, 
Are you you want to say anything about the the Jets Pats game? Unfortunately, I was not able to watch it. Uh, I was in the car driving back from New York, so uh, hell traffic for five hours, but I was able to catch it on the radio. Well, good. I'm glad you had traffic at least. At least you <laughs> suffered in some way. Yeah, it really. I mean, it was expected. I I was surprised they were in the game. I mean, the fact that the Jets Patriots usually it's a, it's relatively close game, but I was expecting the entire time for. Tom Brady to walk down and win the game. So well, wasn't it like it a was, nine point spread? So it wasn't expected to be close, and it was. I just it, it's I don't know for whatever reason they're usually close games with the Jets. I agree. Leading. It just I agree. It's what happens. And the last time they played, the Jets won. If I believe, if I remember correctly, overtime at the end of last year. Overtime. So, yeah. uh, you know, good. I mean, it helps our draft pick, right? So you're, I hate the Jets. I really, honestly, <laughs> I, I have, I was having this it's conversation. No fun when I, you're checked out. No, I know it's it sucks for you. I I resent them. I'm starting to resent them in such a bad way. It's been so long that I'm that I just get so frustrated. And I just get so angry when I think about the New York Jets and when I see Todd Bowles's just his face make zero change from whether they're sucking or they're doing well. It's just I get I get Ooh, nothing. So he's got the Caldwell syndrome where he just has no emotion on the on the sidelines. That's not good. You, know, you even get a little bit of a, a weird smirk when they're losing. Like, ha, like I can't believe oh, so this is happening. Like, like he, I, I really cannot stand it. It's, he's driving me nuts. So and, is he uh, toast? Is he out of there? I don't know. I don't know. They've changed coaches so many damn times. They need to bring in someone who's, who, who's almost a known commodity at this point. I mean, I, I I don't know how you can uh, you can just quit gambling on guys or who's you can an, Gruden, Well, you can bring Gruden out of retirement. Yes, that's that's or like Cower or someone like that. Please God, <laughs> get him a, throw every dollar you can at him and get them out of retirement. Yes, that's exactly who I'm talking. Yeah, about. as if Cower the, wants to get off his cushy CBS desk is, job and coach the Jets. The problem is, is the Jets are missing an opportunity because the 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 personnel theoretically the personnel you look at it. Was, was ready to take a step, and it didn't at all. Uh, and I don't know if that has to do with scheme defensively. Like their, their line is not playing what they were supposed to do. They have all this talent on the line, and it's Mo Wilkerson's playing like dog shit. Uh, uh, the, the Leonard, uh, freaking Leonard Williams is playing well. He's playing well. Sheldon Williams is not playing. He's, he's an idiot. I don't know. I just, they're, just, they're just, they suck. I hate them. I really hate them. Poor Scott. His football team sucks. So I'm, I'm mad you even brought them up. so angry. I just figured we'd get out of here on a happy note. Yeah. Uh, all right. I hope Chase gets an extension. <laughs> that hurts both of us. Why would you wish no, something I, like that? It's fine. I just hope he gets an extension. I have to pay him. Ten-year extension. Yeah. Um, that'll do it for us this week. Uh, next week, after this CBA is dealt with, maybe there'll start to be some free agent news and, and movings. Even if it's not with the Yankees, if other teams start to sign free agents, we'll get a better picture at what the Yankees are doing. So next week should be a busy show. We'll talk to you guys then. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it, and go Yankees. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. 
Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.